Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Vince. And I'm Ashley. And we are the lead pastors of the Outlet Community Church. And wherever you are in the world, our heart is to add value to your life. That's right. Whether it's an encouraging word, whether it's a topic in the Bible, whether it's a life skill that you're looking to develop and hone in on, allow us to be an outlet for you. Yes, and our prayer is that wherever you are, whether you're right here in service or you're out in the world in the nation, listen, our prayer is that God meets you right where you are. We all have needs, we all have things, but our God is able and he's able to bless you and get you where you need to be. We have hundreds of hours of digital content that is available for you to consume yes. free of charge. Freely we receive, freely we want to give <laughs> it back to you. So make it a point to check out our page, check out our website at the yeah. Outlet Community. Dot com and you'll be able to find countless hours of videos, podcasts, and other material to help you grow in your walk with God. Hey, if you like some of the content, like, subscribe, share it, and we'd love that. <laughs> See your family and friends. So open up your heart and get ready to receive all that God has for you. My prayer is that you're able to gain insight into me as a leader and my seriousness on accomplishing the will of God for not only my life, but seeing it accomplished in your life. We are called to leave a legacy. Our entire mindset has to shift to what are we leaving for the generations that are to come after our time is here on this earth. And we don't start leaving a legacy when we're gone. We start leaving a legacy while we're living right now. And I have two opening text scriptures in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, and Galatians 6, 9, and 10. I wish I had like a seat. Like a, like a stool or something, because I just feel like sitting down and just having a conversation. At the end of today's service, the fast ends, so I would love to have some coffee. And uh, amen. And um, I just want us to have a conversation today. So 1 Timothy 6, 12, it says, Fight the good fight for the true faith. Hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you, which you have declared so well before many witnesses. Fight, fight, fight the good fight. Hold tight. Fight. Hold tight. These are some strong words. Take some effort. Let's go over to Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. Because people can begin well. But it's not about if we begin well, it's did we end well? The only way we're going to end well is right now, are we well? Galatians 6, 9. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. 
King James says, don't get weary in well-doing. Because at the right time, at just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have an opportunity, we should do good to some people. We should do good to the people we like. Do good to the people that do good to us. We should do good to everyone, especially those in the family of faith. We close out this series today. I'm going to talk about you have a call to leave a legacy. You have a call to leave a legacy, and you cannot give up in doing what is right. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you just for being who you are to us, the season of prayer that you've ordained for our church to take part in, uh, for you revealing yourself to transforming our hearts into the image and likeness of Jesus Christ. Father, Everything belongs to you. And so I humbly submit my role in your plan for your leading and your guidance. Today, help me to communicate your heart to the people. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Every trend that was going in a particular direction that had been studied from about 2012 to about 2019, it's pretty predictable as it relates to how people operate and how society was moving. But all of a sudden, in 2020, our world had a major disruption that also disrupted trends and accelerated particular outcomes. In the midst of 2020, as everyone was trying to grapple and figure out what is life, what is this new normal, what began to rise were levels of anxiety, levels of depression, levels of fear. At the same time, what also began to rise was a falling away uh, in our country from um, being, it was already leaning to a non-biblical country but even more so now we have those who are not identifying with religion at all. And you have a whole bunch of other trends that just exponentially uh, came into fruition and were completely disrupted because of 2020. And while we were all trying to figure everything out, those who were on the front lines helping, loving, serving, whether they were first responders or whether it was our educators, whether it was our uh, leadership, our managers, our supervisors, our grocery store workers, whether it was those, because those same people then they go to their churches and then they lead their churches, uh, people began to run up against what studies are calling empathy, being, uh, uh, having an empathy overload 
or what we know as compassion fatigue. So since 2020, the body of Christ has been trying to figure it out. (laughs) We've been trying to get people back in the game. We've been trying to get people back attending church, back serving, back giving, back grouping and having community. But there's this underlying fatigue that has stayed around. And that is compassion fatigue. In recent years, studies have been conducted to examine the effects of compassion fatigue. And many people want to know, what does compassion fatigue look like? Well, the classic symptom is a decline in the ability to feel sympathy and empathy. In essence, people began to get more calloused, because not because they were bad individuals, but because they had no capacity outside of themselves to help anybody else because they were trying to make it themselves. But yet, people who mean well, they kept going, and they kept going, and they kept going, and they kept going, to the point that they reached a level of burnout. This level of fatigue can significantly affect thinking, it can affect feeling, and it can affect our behavior, which are keystones to our day-to-day operations. (laughs) I don't want to ask anybody here, but this is just a personal moment, but have you been there where you said, I just don't feel like myself and I don't know why? Oh, well, amen. Go ahead, go ahead, tell them. (laughs) I'm free. Yes. (laughs) When we get to that point, you then introduce yourself to a gamut. Amen. You get to a point where you introduce yourself to a gamut of negative emotions, including anger, annoyance, intolerance, irritability, skepticism, cynicism, embitterment and resentfulness. The reality is, this is the elephant in the room of every church house across the world. You have good people who are dealing with real issues and haven't been able to pinpoint what's going on within. My question to you today is, in light of all we encounter in life, because you encounter real things, you encounter real, real challenges. And unfortunately, everyone doesn't have a safe place to land, to be able to have an outlet and not hold the pressure all by yourself. Some people feel the pressure of having to put on a mask of, I'm okay, when really, you're not okay. But then there's this expectation, especially for leaders, that you just produce no matter what. Parents with young children, the point of exhaustion. Parents with teenagers, trying not to kill them. You know, just, (laughs) you just have to keep going, and it's this level of fatigue that you haven't been familiar with. 
So in light of all these things that you're dealing with, how do we not get tired of doing good long enough to leave a legacy, even in the face of this fatigue, discouragement, and frustration? Let's go to Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3. In order for us to be a church that enters into the realm of legacy leaving, we must first be a church that commits to legacy living. And in Mark chapter 3, verses 13 and 14, I want to give you the basics of it. In Mark 3 and 13, it says, Afterward, Jesus went up on a mountain and called out the ones he wanted to go with him. And they came to him. Jesus called out the ones he wanted to go with him. And they came to him. They went to him. You can get so busy in life that you end up scheduling away time that you need to have at the feet of Jesus. There is nothing more important in your life than crafting out time for you to say, Lord, here is my day. Lead me in the direction I am to go. Our society has turned us into human doings rather than human beings. And we are to be in God's presence. It seems futile. Like, what am I going to get accomplished Sitting at the feet of the Lord when I've got 25,000 things that need to get done today. One revelation from God will help you accomplish your list more than a thousand hours of human effort. And when you spend time with the Lord, genuinely, there's a fragrance that comes from spending time with him, that when you walk around others, people know that person has been with God. The way that you know is their ability to love in spite of. If you're having a challenge walking in love, I challenge you to spend more time in prayer. Because when you spend time in prayer, first, God hugs you, comforts your heart, comforts your mind. And when he comforts your heart and he comforts your mind, you then take that same care to all of your other relationships. I was reading here recently, uh, they were doing a study on well water. And they said well water typically ranges... Uh, around 18 degrees Celsius. That's what water in a well typically uh, feels like. What is 18 degrees Celsius in Fahrenheit? I don't know, but I heard 18 degrees Celsius. In the summertime, when you take some of the water from the well, it's ultra-refreshing. It puts energy back into you. It hydrates you. You go to that same well same water 
in the wintertime, still 18 degrees Celsius, and that water warms you up. And that water helps you feel comforted. And it helps you to prevent against going into a state of hypothermia and, and, and being frozen. Same well, same water, same person, what changed? The season. And many of you have changed seasons and not realize that you need to approach your task in line with the season that you're currently in. I just want to meddle in some marriages for a second. I just felt that. Some of you are still trying to relate to the person you either first started dating or the person you first married, and they are not the same person. And you're saying something's different. You don't call me like you used to. You don't say those sweet things like you did when we first got together. And often the seasons have changed, but we haven't updated how we relate to each other in the season. So it takes a continual renewing with the Lord to ask him, am I still operating the way you want me to, even though the season of my life has changed? Verse 14 says, then he appointed the 12 of them and called them his apostles. They were, (laughs) this is the job of the apostles to accompany him, and then he would send them out to preach. That was their job. So you notice this this lifestyle that we need to create, that before we begin taking on bigger projects, before we take on bigger tasks, before we take on bigger responsibilities, we need to first spend time with the Lord, and then he will send us where we should go. In this season of of prayer and fasting, what I've noticed is a a greater sensitivity to what God wants to say. And I'm quicker when I'm more in tune with him than when I'm doing things my own way. I actually hesitate in actually obeying what he's called me to do. I'll I'll just share from, from my heart. I, on Monday received my dream job offer. I had prayed for this job for the last four years. This job is more money than I've ever seen at one time and more stability than I could have ever imagined. And when the person sat down with me to offer the job, I had just got out of a time of prayer. And before they could finish their sentence, I said, nope, not doing it. I can't. And I begin to tell them why. I love my freedom. I love what God has called me to do. I'm the pastor of a church. It's going to take the majority of my time. I also do various things on the side, and that takes up my full-time responsibilities. I want to be a good husband. I want to be a good father. I cannot take this role. And while I'm telling this person no, y'all know what my flesh was saying? Boy, you better slow down. Read that awful letter again and give it some consideration 
Didn't even give it any thought. Ash was waiting for me in the car after that meeting. And uh, I got in the car, closed the door. I said, Ash, I think I was fasting. She said, why do you know that? I said, because I turned down without hesitation a job I prayed for for four years. Now, I expect her to say, you better march your butt right back in there. <laughs> but she knew that was definitely what God had called me. God has called me to do what I'm doing right now. Amen. 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 But if we don't spend time with God, we will entertain distractions to your destiny. And you don't have time to entertain any distractions to what God has called you to do. Often Satan will appear as an angel of light. But if you take an inventory, it's going to pull you away from what he's ultimately calling you to do. And one thing that I have seen about God in leading this church is that never have I seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. I've seen God do many miraculous things to show me I've called you to do what I've called you to do, and I'm going to be the one to take care of you so that no one gets the credit for what I'm doing. And often we get so dejected when people that we hoped would believe in us don't. They didn't believe in you. In the word of the songwriter DJ Khalid, God did. <laughs> so legacy is something that is handed down to be carried on. Let's go to John chapter 15. John 15. just want to share from the heart today, y'all, because this is real world. I want you all to see that <laughs> the majority of the great things that have come about in our ministry have happened by accident. It hasn't been because there's been some great, mysterious plan at work. I literally just obey God with each step that he gives, and he opens up the next door. And in John chapter 15 and verse 4, this is Jesus now uh, speaking. It says, remain in me and I'll remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. So having time to spend at the feet of the Lord is not a suggestion. It is a requirement. Legacy or fruit is built with small acts of obedience over time. Everybody's waiting for the big instruction. God is saying, just obey me in this small area right here. When we obey him in small acts of obedience over time, we'll realize Go drop down to verse 16 in John 15. As Jesus says right here, you didn't choose me. I chose you. We didn't choose Jesus. Just, just choose, choose the Lord. No, he was calling you the entire time. Every morning you wake up, he's calling you. 
Will you pick up the call? He says, not only did I choose you, I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit. See, when you're on assignment, you can't help but to produce. It's when you're trying to do stuff in your own strength that you're struggling and toiling and you, your nerves all bad and you're up half the night. No! Use all that energy to just hold tight to eternal life like we saw in 1 Timothy chapter 6. But know that if God called you somewhere, you don't have a choice but to produce. He called. God made the chairs you all are sitting in right now. Those pews woke up this morning and said, I don't feel like pewing like I used to pew. I want to go do my own thing. And they got all these intentions and these plans. And when you walked in here, what were the pews doing? Pewing. Because that's how they were made. And I don't care about what other pew from another building got to say about these pews. These pews in here are going to keep pewing no matter what, how they feel or anybody else feels about what they were designed to do. If we're called somewhere, we're going to produce fruit. Period. It's not me. It's the assignment. But we have to get into alignment if we're going to go further faster. Since I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit, that's legacy, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. But this is why we're called to leave a legacy, so that we can love each other well. Why do you have the, the things that you have? So that you could steward them and share God's love with others. Period. That's it. And the more your heart is, God, how can I be a blessing with the influence, with the resources that you gave me? He will release more to you. But as long as you only have a plan to, as we call in my generation, secure the bag, other generations call it accumulate wealth, for just your own interests, you will see your bag or your wealth flee from you. It would be like putting money in pockets with holes in it. But the more your heart is, God, I ask that you help us to expand so that we can reach more people, so that we can touch more people, that we could be a greater blessing, as it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, to abound unto every good work. That's the goal you'll see your life increase. But I want to close today with talking about the fight to stay in the fight. There is a fight to stay in the fight. Is it okay for me to walk on the floor? I feel like talking to the church this morning. Give me a thumbs up in the back. Give me a thumb. oh, Not y'all, the sound folks. Sound folks, give me a, am I okay to walk? All right, y'all are like, yeah, please talk to us. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Go to James chapter 5, verse 16. 
James 5, 16. We need each other. And what tends to happen when life comes your way and things begin to compound is you have a greater temptation to isolate and to become a hermit. And I want to encourage you today to get out of your head and get into community. Get out of your head and get into community. James 5 and 16. It says, confess your sins. Another uh, version says, your trespasses or your shortcomings to each other. What? Let people know I'm not perfect? Yes. But here's the goal after we have honesty hour or event session. Let's pray. The next thing you do after you have, because you need, everyone needs a place where they can go, where everybody knows your name. Is that, is that, it's cheers, sorry, sorry, that was, sorry y'all. Everyone needs a place that you can go where you don't have to qualify anything you are about to say because you're about to be extremely honest. Now you need to let the hearer know that you're about to talk unfiltered. In my marriage with Ash and I, and Ash and I are going to start teaching on relationships and marriage next Sunday, so come on back next Sunday for two weeks. We're going we're gonna to kick it off. But in our marriage, we have a, what we call a safety word that lets the two of us know that I need to get this off my chest, but this is not for you to interpret and to internalize and to try to figure out and to try to spiritualize and to try to give me a chapter verse. This is for you to be quiet and let me get this off my chest. And we have a word that we say, and I think it starts with, can I be honest? Can I be honest? That, that is my note that as a man, it is not my time to give her a suggestion on what she's about to share with me. And all the women said, amen. It is my time to sit and to listen and to let her get it all out. And I don't know if I should say this, but I will. The way that it comes to you, all your words and all, even your grown-up words. I love how people sneak and cuss. <laughs> like God didn't hear you. <laughs> Sometimes you got to let it out and you need a safe place. Now, I'm not telling you in the middle of church service, gee, D, that was good. Like, that's not... <laughs> Context, cultural clues here. Let's, let's take all these things in. But you need a safe space where you can be honest. And once you're honest, you then go to prayer with each other. I say, all right, now I've heard that. How can I pray for you? So that the conversation is not toxic, although we're detoxing. You holding in all that stuff. You haven't told a soul, and it's eating you alive from the inside out. That is toxic. 
Detoxing is, all right, let's get honest. Say it. And at the end, all right, let's pray. Yesterday, we had an issue at the house that was huge, fast, sudden. Anybody with a house, you understand when them issues show up, you are just not, you don't want no parts of them. Showed up with uh, one of our, our major appliances in the house, and, and it looked like it was a major, major calamity. Uh, thousands of dollars of work needed to be done. I mean, I just, I just, I, I wasn't in the mood. <laughs> and so like a responsible adult, I needed some time to process. So I got in the car and I did what every adult does when they come into an issue. I called my mom. And <laughs> <laughs> And I said, Mama, <laughs> I need to vent. I need to talk. And I, and I began to tell her, just, I, I do not want to pay for this. I don't want to deal with this. How could this happen right now? We set a budget at the top of the year. We were living by the budget. Everything was going right. And all of a sudden, this is trying to take all my savings. I want to go back home. No. <laughs> And she heard it, and she said, I understand, and she began to encourage me, like, but remember, the fact of the matter is that you budgeted in advance so that when something happens, at least you have the resources to take care of it, because that's why you save money in, the, in a rainy day, because it was raining yesterday, and it was a day, and that's why you have those things set up. She said, there was a time where you didn't have that to do if something came up. And I said, yeah, so she then infused gratitude. And she said, well, let's just pray right now. And so we got together and we prayed. And, and she said, well, I think what you need to do is you need to call this person and call that person. So I called these two individuals. And then Holy Spirit said, I want you to call a third person. So the two people I called said, hey, man, I think you got a wrong quote. And they said, I do this. I, you shouldn't have to spend that not right now. And so I said, okay, let me, let me call another person, second person. Confirmation, same thing. They said, no, you need another, another opinion, another quote. Called the third person, Holy Spirit, put in my heart to call. And I called him and told him what was going on, sent him the pictures. He said, oh, yeah, that's going to be about $40 to fix. I said, what? <laughs> you want them big bills or small bills? You want a singles? What you want? I do a dance? Like, whatever we got to do. Like, like, James 5, 16. I knew I needed to confess. Because when I found out what the bill was, I wasn't pleasant in the house. You got to look straight ahead. Don't you nod. Don't you nod. Don't you nod. I'm holy all the time. I had to get honest because that bill made me hurt. <laughs> I was hurting. <laughs> but in being in community is where we find healing. In the message... It says, make this your common practice. Make this a common practice. To confess your sins to each other, your shortcomings. Pray for each other so that you can live together. You can live together. You can live together whole and healed. Said all this to say, I want a church that is whole and healed, that we are going to put in programs to make sure that our church is whole and healed, 
that we, we have times to get together, it's for the purpose to walk in a journey toward wholeness and healing. It is not just to have church. Y'all, let me be honest. I don't feel like doing 75% of the stuff that I have to do as a pastor every single week. I want to lay up in my house, hold my wife's hand, and I want... <laughs> I want to play games with my son. I don't, I don't feel like sermon prepping. It takes six hours for every sermon that I give because I want to make sure I'm hearing from God and exegeting properly the text because there's a whole lot of foolishness out here. That's the stuff I do before I show up to the building. I don't want to do it. But my job is to make sure that we are whole and we are healed as a community. So I enjoy doing it. This is a joy. Everyone does not get the opportunity that we all get to sit in a place like this and have community together. This is not a birthright. This is a privilege. Nobody owes me a thing. My church doesn't owe me nothing. It's a joy. And we can never lose sight of the reason why we do what we do. Because if you, if you stay in leadership long enough and you allow the discouragement to tank you on the inside, the Lord will help to move you to another assignment. So every day I'm humbled with, Lord, you still called me to do this. So I'm going to do this with everything I got. So there's three questions I want to give you all, and then I'm going to go into why we exist as a church. Three questions I want you all to ask daily, and then find your community. Find your people and have these questions that you ask with each other. The first question. Every day I want you to ask, how did I feed my soul or my spirit? How did I feed my soul and my spirit? But let's not get selfish with this. Next question I want you to ask is, how did I feed others today? What was everyone else's experience with me like today? And here's the real honest question. And how did I feed my flesh today? Every day you ask, how did I feed my soul and spirit? How did I feed others? And how did I feed my flesh? So, I said all that as an underpinning as to what I'm about to share as it relates to our church. So now you all understand. People are like, what is he on? I want the church whole and healed. But it's going to take all of us doing our part. But I do want to take a moment and to acknowledge what has been done to this point. So many of you and all of us come from different walks in this journey that we're now on. And I just want to bring us all up to speed and say this is where we are today and this is where we're going forward. And so as a church, 
This is why we exist. To empower leaders, to equip families, and to transform communities. That's it. If it's going to help us empower more leaders, if it's going to help us tool and resource more families, and if it's going to help us truly transform communities, I'm all in. If it doesn't, it might be for some, someone else, some other ministry, and we're building relationships with other ministries here in the community, in the area. Uh, in fact, once a month, I host a pastor's small group with uh, a, a large percentage of the pastors from this area in the Brookhaven, uh, Buckhead, uh, where else do they come from? Johnson's Ferry, uh, Atlanta. They all come here so that we can build relationship as the body of Christ. We've got to show people before we tell them anything. If the church can't work together, how are we going to ask them to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? We've got to learn how to collaborate. We've got to learn how to work as one. So the reason we exist is to empower leaders, equip families, and transform communities because the vision that I see and that we see for this ministry is that everyone is healthy in your faith, your family, your friendships. See, in church, we skip out on the friendship part because we're going to preach about your haters and we're going to preach about separating yourself and coming out from among them and sometimes you got to walk by yourself and, and all this kind of stuff. And you got to realize that, that life works at the speed of network. <laughs> so friendships, fitness, and finance. In full transparency, God has called me to lead a church with a vision where I am not the expert in all five of those categories. But I believe that he's called me to lead this, to learn the humility of needing others to step in and to help while I learn as well. I need to get better in my fitness. I need to get better in my finances. I need to get better in my relationships. I need to get better in my family. I need to grow in my faith. Starts at the top. Because if we're not growing, we're dying. And so as a church, we strive to have a healthy age. Not talking about numerical, but it's an acronym for we want to be healthy in our attendance, in our generosity, and in our engagement. And this is what lets us know where to set goals. So internally, we set our church up to produce vision. Every system inside of the church is designed to deliver the vision. And I have to know down to the T where everyone is so that we can strategically put programs in place to deliver the vision. So yes, if you thought pastoring was just getting the sermon together on Sunday morning, nope, it's not pastoring, at least not today. Pastoring is a level of, you got to be excellent in strategic planning, you've got to be excellent in, in uh, 
finances. You got to be excellent in discipleship. You have to be excellent in uh, uh, community partnerships. All of those things constitute a week of my time. On average, I work six days a week. I have one day that I do not touch because that belongs to God and my family. I don't touch. There's one day I just don't do anything. But six days I am doing something that is pushing the church forward long before I ever show up here on site. So this is how we measure our effectiveness with our attendance, our generosity, and our engagement. So we are here in 2024. In 2022, at the end of 2022, the Outlet Community Church and Briarcliff Church entered into a partnership agreement, and it has been a beautiful partnership. Two churches that had strengths in certain areas came together and combined their strengths to be one church as we move forward. As the outlet, there were things that we did extremely well. As Briarcliff Church, there were things that Briarcliff Church did extremely well. We came together to say, let's highlight our strengths and let's minimize our weakness. And as a result, we signed a partnership agreement in October of 22, and the agreement took force in January 1st of 2023. With that agreement, it was broken up into two different phases. The first phase was for a period of 18 months. And during that period, it was for all of us to learn how to live together as one family. And let me tell you, it has been the most enjoyable and humbling experience that I have done to date. And I can truly say that I have grown as a person as a result of having now a diversity of thought, collective experiences, expectations, etc. And so we worked together for the last, now we're 13 going into 14 months, which means that phase two will begin in the second half of this year. And as we worked as a church ministry in the first 18 months, the biggest priority that I had was what ministry programs do we need to put in place because it's going to be the health of the church and the health of the ministry that pushes everything forward into the future. And so I took all of 2023 to evaluate, to see exactly what works, what doesn't work. What do we need to do? What do we need to stop doing? And the biggest thing coming into this year, what is going to be my number one focus? And the thing that came up time and time again is the need to create authentic community. We need to get to know each other. We need to start doing life with each other. We need to break bread together. We need to study the word together. We need to grow together. We need to be that church community and network that when life happens, you don't feel like you can't reach out to somebody and be honest with them. The church membership now spans 50 miles north, south, east, and west, just in the metro Atlanta area. We, of course, have members in out-of-state locations, Michigan, Texas, California, South Carolina, Florida, Mississippi, Louisiana. 
I think we have one, Missouri, Missouri. And then I think we got one in North Dakota. If you're watching in North Dakota, how? (laughs) But hello. (laughs) The biggest thing is community. The reason why we need to be in community is as we're doing our part on the business side of things and closing out some outstanding things, our church needs to move forward in growing together as one. Last year, we had an average attendance, and this is outstanding, average church attendance of 239 people. Give yourselves a round of applause for that. What was even more exciting is that we've had 279 decisions for Christ. 279 people gave their heart to the Lord. Last year, we added 145 new members, bringing our church membership total to 573 members as one church. That's in our attendance side. Now, let's talk about generosity. And we are currently under an audit by Chitwood and Chitwood, an outside accounting firm. Um, There is a separation of, as we call church and state. Uh, I am not over the day-to-day operations of the money here at the church. We have an executive director. My job as the pastor is to be informed and make sure I have the right team members in place at all times so that we can have checks and balances and accountability. And at the end of the checks and balances and accountability, we submit all of our financials to an outside accounting firm every single month. And at the end of the year, they perform an audit on us to make sure that we stay in compliance. And so the audit is currently ongoing. So what I can share financially with you all is that in 2023, I want you all to hear this, 218 new people started giving to the church. Give yourself a round of applause. 218 new people started giving to the church. Year over year, that equated to charitable contributions being up 30% year over year. 30%. With the 30% increase of finances year over year, we were able to serve 1,764 families through our outreach efforts. Give yourself a round of applause. So when we were able to count for all of the goods, services, and finances that we invested back into the community, we reinvested $349,303.06. That is what this church has done. Can you all give yourself another round of applause for that? Now, I led with the good news. Now, we're about to do a little call to action. All of that work that was going on, Do you all remember what the membership total of this church is? 573. 573 people, and that's on the low end. There was a number that said we were like 800. I was like, there's no way we're 800 members. We're 573 members. Only 95 different people signed up to serve in a volunteer capacity. 95 people carried all of that. 
that is not healthy. of the church body is helping the church move forward. I believe we got by on the grace and mercy of God last year. Because long term, we cannot sustain ourselves with a one in five person buy-in to what we're doing here at the church. I believe we can step up. Again, you see what we can do with just a little bit. What happens when we all get involved? What could we really accomplish? Because here's what, 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 what registers in my mind. I'm just going to tell you how I'm thinking. So, on one hand, I praise God for the 30% year-over-year increase. But here's the sobering fact, that when phase two begins in this agreement, the responsibility for the property and the building that's associated also comes over as well. So that is what we would consider a net wash. And there are things that we need to get done ASAP in this building. The first thing is we need to have a first-class area for our nursery, our elementary, preschool, middle, high school. That is the first order of business. But you all dictate at what pace we can get that done. Because Briarcliff Church did a phenomenal job of ensuring that to this point, everything you all see and sit in is completely debt-free. No debt whatsoever. I believe we are called to cash and carry and not put the church in any unnecessary financial hardship. And if all we're working with is the cash that's in our hand, you all determine at what rate we can get things repaired, repainted, carpets done. We got work to do. So in 2024, what's the vision? It just starts with small groups. That's it. Only thing I'm focused on this year is getting all of us in groups, no matter where you are, whether you're watching online or whether you're here in person. We got to grow as community first. When we grow as community and build trust with one another, there's nothing that we can't accomplish if we work together. But if we're siloed, spread out, don't really know each other, don't really know what I'm a part of, don't really know what I'm, I'm belonging to, there's no greater vision than what I can see in front of me, we will always be where we are. So currently, we have nine core groups that are currently going right now. By the end of 2024, our goal is to launch a total of 25 groups, which are five in each category of faith, family, friendships, fitness, and finance. What am I asking you all to pray about? The first wave is will you be 
a part of that initial group of leaders to help us create community. And if that's you, I would like for you to see me after church, or you can go to our church center app and sign up to be a core group leader. We will meet next Saturday, both here and online at the same time, depending on your, your availability. And I want to get these groups going. Because as we get groups going and people connected, we're going to be able to know specifically what we need to do and when we need to do it.